Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I am your host. You don't know who I am? I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. Each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have a 10-minute conversation about each of them. I hopefully give them some good suggestions. Listeners also hopefully are able to benefit from those suggestions, and that's about it. No fluff, lots of actionable strategies, tips you can put to use to grow your audience and business. So today's guests are Matt Ritter and Aaron Caro. Matt is a screenwriter and comedian, but most importantly, part of one of the greatest friendship traditions of all time. An annual dinner at Pete Luger's Steakhouse with a Stanley Cup-sized trophy that has sustained 35 years of friendship. It's actually become the subject of his new podcast, Man of the Year, which he hosts with fellow comedian and best friend Aaron Caro. We have both of them here with us today, so this is my first double guest episode. There's an epidemic of loneliness in the country, and these two friendship experts are here to fix it by helping you make new friends, reconnect with old ones, or build your own friendship traditions. You can also find Matt on Twitter and Instagram at MattRitter1, where he's usually posting about his French bulldog. He's pretty sure he's also the only person who ever worked at a white shoe law firm and on Duck Dynasty, which I'm sure is also true. Aaron, besides being Matt's friend, is a comedian and screenwriter who has had a Comedy Central special and written six books. He's also the author of a number one New York Times bestselling self-help book with The Try Guys. Prior to his career in Hollywood, he spent one year at J.P. Morgan hiding out in the cafeteria. So with that in mind, hey guys, welcome to the show. What's up, Josh? I got it wrong. I, I sent you Kiro's intro. He actually worked at Morgan Stanley. He, he wanted to correct me. Oh, you. that's funny. So you guys, so it turns out just because you're friends doesn't mean you actually know what, like true guy friends, you guys have no idea what you actually do. Yeah, you know, it turns out I was a little sloppy with the email. That that was Kiro's the corrector of emails. Yeah, that's funny. Hey, everybody's got a everybody's got a role to play. I'm excited to talk to you guys both because I love the concept for your podcast. Which by the time uh, people hear this, it will be out. The first episode actually launches tomorrow, but when people hear this, there'll probably be a couple episodes out. And I think it's interesting because you guys are at a place that I was at not all that long ago, a few months ago when I was launching this show and trying to figure out what to do and how to get it going and how to get people aware of it and all of that. So I know that's what your questions are about, and I'm looking forward to talking about them with you. So let's get right into it. What is the first thing you want to know? Yeah, so the first question we had was, we are at a cross-section between comedy and relationships and mental health, because we're both comedians and we're talking about friendship, and it's going to be funny, but it's also serious and we're addressing a real problem in society, so mm -hmm. we want to get to the top of the charts. Yeah. And it feels a lot of growth happens if you hit that new and noteworthy, you start ranking, people start posting, oh, I rank at the top of the charts. So we've been contemplating sort of category hacking. What are your thoughts on whether you should try to be in the comedy category, which may be harder to get up the ranks of, or versus like relationships or even health and fitness, which is maybe even an easy category, mental health, but it almost strays a little further away from what our core of podcast actually yeah. is. So for people that are listening, give them a sort of just quick description of what the podcast is and what the core of it will be. Yeah. So Matt and I are part of the world's greatest friendship tradition. Every year on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, us and our nine childhood friends vote on which friend had the best year. 
and they win this giant man of the year trophy, which you mentioned in our intro. And this finish is not only the greatest night of the year, but it's also kept our friendship going strong for 35 years. So the podcast is basically addressing this epidemic of loneliness where people feel more disconnected than ever and have close friends. Who better address that than two guys who have the same friends for 35 years? So it's prescriptive that we are giving some advice about how to reconnect with friends and make new friends. There's also a comedic aspect in that we are comedians and are making fun of each other for half the time as well. So you're going to feel like you're hanging out with your best friends. Right. Will there be guests in interviews or is it just you guys? So it's really just us. Obviously, okay. Lowell's going on the 100th episode. We'd like to have right. in it, like in studio right. too. Okay. So let me get into your question about charts and all that kind of stuff. So let me start. In full disclosure, I should say, I've had this podcast for a few months. By no means am I like Mr. Podcast Expert of all time. So I can share what I think and what's working for me in my own perspective. It is going pretty well. I have ranked on the marketing, the Apple podcast marketing charts at various points. I wish I could tell you I did some brilliant thing to make that happen. But honestly, I think it just happened and I got a little lucky. So I'm certainly not an expert on the technical ins and outs or quote unquote hacks or any of that. But I do have some expertise around audience building and I think that can apply. So I think your question, while it's about the charts labeling the show, I actually think it's a lot bigger than that because I really think it's about how you're positioning yourself and your show not just on the charts, but in the market in general, right? So the first thing I would say is there's a great book called Positioning by Al. The authors are Al Reese and Jack Trout. It came out, I think, in like the early 80s. It's been around forever. So it's a little dated, but the underlying stuff completely holds true. So I recommend reading that just in for, and not just for podcasts, but for anything, because it helps you think about how you position yourself in any market. That also applies to comedians, by the way, like how you position yourself amongst other comedians and stuff like that. The other thing I would say about the charts is that keep in mind that climbing the charts with the wrong audience is ultimately meaningless. So being, if you even were to get towards the top of the charts and new and noteworthy or any of that stuff in a category that's going to attract the people that aren't ultimately the right fit, it's like it's a win, but it's a hollow victory. So what I would start with is getting some clarity on who your ideal audience is. And the way I think about that is a combination of who do you think is most likely to enjoy the show and who do you most want to listen to the show? So if I were to ask you that, who do you think is most likely to enjoy it and who do you most want to listen to it? Already from the feedback that we've gotten this week pre-launch, seems that the people who maybe expect to be listening to this a lot are people in our age bracket on a lot of husbands and dads who have somehow lost their entire friend crews, but they used to have really vibrant crews and now they're like a new dad or mm-hmm. something, haven't had the time or whatever, haven't put the emphasis on it. We've just gotten a lot of feedback. We haven't had a lot of female fans from our individual stand mm-hmm. Probably our Instagram analytics are showing us like 25 to 54. It's funny because I was going to ask you, because you don't really, obviously there's the man of the year story, but it feels like really this is a show for guys but you guys aren't flat out saying that, you might want to consider saying that. Not that you're excluding anyone, but it really that really is what it's about. The other thing I would say to think about is it completely makes sense what you're saying with that initial feedback is like husbands and dads and all of that. You might want to lean into that a bit as well. It's interesting, like when you reference categories, you never reference parenting. I'm not saying that it should be in the parenting category, But I think keeping that in the back of your head in general with your messaging and positioning, because there's a whole story there, right? There's people that specifically identifies with because it's really different. Friendship in your 20s is a lot different than friendship 
in your 40s or 30s with kids or whatever. So I think thinking through that about how you talk about and message the show separate from the charts, I think it is helpful for you to consider even in little things, right? Like your intros, like your referencing, it's for these specific people. Because the other thing is the more specific you hone in on that niche, the more opportunities it's going to create for you in terms of press. And I know we're going to get into sort of cross promotions and all that stuff later, but it's more clear. If you're a generic show about friends or about friendship, lots of people are like, eh, we could do that. But if you say we're talking about friendship for dads and parents or 30, 40 something men, men in relationships, however you choose to define it, now it becomes much easier to even find the people that should talk. All those parenting, all those dad blogs or dad Instagram accounts or podcasts, whatever. So it doesn't have to be that, but I would think through to what extent are you leaning into some of those things because you don't want to fall into that trap of, oh, we don't want to exclude anybody. The truth is you do want to exclude people and there will still be people that come through. The other thing I would think about jumping back to the category charts, and I think it'll also help you think about the positioning piece of this, is I always like to assume success. So if you were to say, okay, I'm going to get to the top, 20 of these categories, I'm going to be featured in new and noteworthy, but I can only be featured in one of these. As opposed to looking at it like, which is my best choice to get featured, assume you're going to get featured and go, which one would you choose? And one of the things I think that's interesting to do there is there's a, I don't know if there's a site called Chartable. So chartable.com has all the podcast charts, right? And all the categories. It's interesting though, in this context to go there, look at the top shows on the various charts and go, which of these actually fit? Where would I want to be? I took a look just before we talked at a few of the categories, and I only looked at like the top show, but you obviously you can look at more. I went to the comedy charts, right? And it's a lot of sort of celebrity-driven, the Jason Bateman, Will Arnett shows at the top, the Conan shows up at the top. So not only does that mean probably an uphill battle to get there, but it also means I don't know that their fans are, yes, they have big audiences, right? So some of their fans are who you'd want, but I don't know that it's exactly the right thing. But then I looked at relationships. So that was actually under society and culture. The relationships category, I didn't really see anything about friendship. It was mostly dating and marriage and all that kind of stuff. There's two ways to look at that. One way to look at that is, okay, maybe it's not quite the right fit. The other way to look at it is, wait a second, all these people that are looking in the relationships category Maybe that creates an opening because there's no one else doing this. I'm not recommending you go that route or not, but just how I think about it. Then I looked at the mental health category. The top show was On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Like when you look at those shows, you go, eh, this doesn't quite, probably doesn't quite seem right. But then I looked at self-improvement. And what was interesting to me, which is under education, actually. And what was interesting to me was the top show in self-improvement was How to Build a Happy Life. It's interesting. Like if you could be setting aside the size, right? Yeah, you'd love to be on Conan's show, whatever. But if you just look at like audience match, like how to build a happy life and your friendship show, and I have not listened to how to build a happy life, but just my assumption on what it is, I was like, oh, that kind of seems like a fit. And I'm just using one example from each category, but I'd go browse the top shows in the categories and go, if I had my shot, which of these would I want to be sort of surrounded by? Well, the wrinkle, though, that we are wrestling with on that front is that we want to use this to build a brand around friendship. And one of the big things we want to do is live tour. 
And mm-hmm. I'm just not quite sure you see a lot of self-improvement live tours. Like mm-hmm. first comedy live tour. We're comedians. So I do right. a little hesitant to go, hey, we're just like self-improvement experts. You know what I mean? So that's why. But I do think that if there's a way to still brand ourselves in that space, they'll mm-hmm. hang our hat on being you know, funny. So we're not like misrepresenting. That's the other part. So here's what I'll say. And this is the other thing that's interesting. And I've had this conversation with comedians a lot, especially when it comes to podcasts and newsletters and that kind of stuff. If you brand the show, this is an oversimplification, but I'm going to do it anyway. So there's a comedy show that happens to be about friendship. And there's a show about friendship that happens to be fun. If you do the comedy show that happens to be about friendship, everyone expects it to be funny because you've said this is a comedy show. You're competing against other comedy shows. If you say this is the friendship self-improvement show that happens to be funny, you're competing against other self-improvement and your skills as comedians, your show is going to be way funnier and more entertaining than the average self-improvement show. So it doesn't mean you have to go that way. And it is something you guys should think about. But conceptually, especially when it comes to these categories and stuff, if you think about when someone's going to the categories browsing, right, they don't know what they want to listen to. They go, I want to listen to something funny. That's really different than the person that's, I want to improve myself or I want to whatever. Oh, this one seems like it might be entertaining. So I think there can be, I think there can be a trap here, especially with comedians because they're like, but I'm a comedian. I want to, I'm branding myself as a comedian. I want people to know me as the funny thing. And so they go in this, they go in the pond with a million other people who are also funny, which makes it harder for them to stand out. I'll give you another example. If you were to reach out to, let's say a journalist, let's say, what's his name? The guy that covers comedy for the New York Times, Cinnamon, I think, Jason Cinnamon or something like that. Yeah. If you were to reach out to him in the comedy space and say, hey, we're two comics who launched a show about friendship, his reaction is probably going to be great. Comedians launch shows about death and marriage and 8 million things. Why do I give it? That's not really newsworthy, right? If you were to reach out to somebody who covers, I'm using self-improvement as an example, but the self-improvement space, and you go, hey, we're two comics who have launched this show about self-improvement. It's more newsworthy. What you want to avoid is we're another two comics who launched a podcast. I think the charts and the categories and all that are ways to reinforce the positioning and the decisions that you've made. So going the comedy route, and this, and also you can choose multiple categories. It's not like you can only choose one. So that's how I would think about it is in terms of starting with where do you really want to be positioned and reinforce that. And in general, not falling into the, just because you're a comedian, it has to be comedy. It's actually more interesting if it's something else and broader, because there's probably a huge audience of people who would like your show that don't necessarily think of themselves as comedy fans in that way. But they're in it for something else. Cool. So let's, let's get to the next thing you want to know. Platform crossover, building a following, especially when you're now talking about, we're trying to build a podcast, but we're also trying to build a social following. We're just not sure what the crossover is going to be, or if those are just separate bills. Like, how do you mm-hmm. do launching a podcast? Do we just try to find podcast listeners where they are? Or do we try to convert to followers and vice versa? 
Okay, so let's start with this. And we touched on it a little bit, but what's your goal? Why are you doing a podcast at all? What do you ultimately want to have happen? We want to own the friendship space. We want to go on tour. We want to sell ads against it. We want to Patreon. We want to help people reconnect with their friends and be the social and financial goal. Mm -hmm. Right. We're looking for audience. You don't want to go there. Subscribers. Okay, but so the goal is to build this as an, here's, this, there's always overlap, right? So the more successful this becomes as an entity, the better it is for each of you guys in your individual careers and as comic and whatever, and vice versa. The more success you have individually, the better it is for this show. But you're clearly viewing this as its own entity. It's not just, like, oh, this is just a sort of Trojan horse to get people to know us so we can go tour individually or whatever, right? You're building a, you're building a thing here. Okay. So... A couple of thoughts here. So let me talk about kind of social media relationship to podcast and downloads and all that, right? So first of all, social media absolutely can work to drive listeners to your podcast. So I do think that you should obviously be using it. I don't think it's just a side thing. But the key is, I think, to think about it differently and not get hung up on download numbers and where those listens happens. So at the end of the day, especially if you're trying to build this into a thing, it's about consumption. And it doesn't really matter if someone listens on Apple Podcasts or listens to a clip on Instagram. Initially, this would be my mindset. I understand that ultimately, if you're trying to monetize, download numbers matter with ads and blah, blah, blah. But initially, you're just trying to get as many people as possible to consume this stuff. So where a lot of people go wrong is they're just sharing links to their episodes on social media. They're constantly trying to drive people to downloads or YouTube videos or whatever. I think that, your, again, your goal is not to get downloads. It's to get your content consumed. If your content is consumed and people like it, then you're going to be building relationships, which ultimately leads to downloads and live shows and a million other things, right? So you don't wanna think of social as promotional channels for the show. You wanna think of them as content channels that are extensions of the show. And I'm talking about right now, each of your individual channels, we can have a separate conversation about whether the show should have its own account or whatever. But regardless, the approach is the same. So I actually think in my mind, and this is going to be weird to say, but your podcast isn't a podcast. Your podcast is a collection of content and ideas. And the quote unquote podcast is just one distribution platform for what you're creating. So whatever you're doing when you guys sit down and record an episode, you're doing that knowing that you're ultimately going to be chopping it up in all the ways that fit the different platforms that you choose to use. And I would even think about as you get into the episode, and I don't know your specific format or whatever, but be thinking about it specifically. A lot of times you'll see people do a podcast and they just start recording and they have some rambling conversation that goes wherever, as opposed to a TV show that is very segmented. My podcast very specifically is three questions. It's very, super easy to chop up, right? So for example, the podcast that we're recording right now, we're going to sit and we're going to talk for 45 minutes or whatever this is going to be. That full 45 minutes will be available in audio on Spotify and Apple and all that. The full thing will be available on YouTube. There will have to be three different videos of each of your individual questions available on YouTube, each titled based on that topic, right? So almost treating them as if they're separate 
content. There'll also be short highlight clips on Twitter and LinkedIn, which is what I use. I don't use the other stuff, but if I did TikTok, Instagram, whatever stuff I say or you say will be turned into tweets social posts, maybe even blog posts. It might be repurposed with other other episodes I do that relate to podcasts and just here's a bunch of podcast tips. Plus a bunch of this stuff will wind up on my newsletter. Some may wind up in products I sell. So while this is a podcast that I'm doing, I just think of it as a way to capture and create content that then's going everywhere. And I don't really, yeah, I'd love to have people download it and listen to it, whatever. But my main goal is I want them to see it, consume it, connect to it, share it, whatever. And by the way, the other thing I should say it, with my podcast, the number one driver of downloads and views on YouTube to my podcast by far is my newsletter, right? Now, I have a lot of subscribers, but to the point of can social and can this stuff drive views and downloads, it certainly can. To be honest with you, I have no idea. Launching this without that, I think would be such a struggle to get people to pay attention. You guys have email lists and you guys have whatever, and it doesn't matter if they're huge or not, but I think you can definitely leverage people to go and consume that content. I can't track it specifically, but I would assume that my newsletter is also the main driver of subscribers. Not, not just listens. The other thing I would say that I've found, I get more views of this podcast on YouTube than I do audio downloads, which I also, and I know you guys are going to do YouTube for your show as well. That's been interesting and has surprised me a little bit, but I think it speaks to when you're creating, keeping that in mind and understanding that like, hey, this is a terrible example, right? But you might go, we're always going to have a segment that's the 60 second friendship tip. And you're doing that because this is gonna work well on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. Keeping in mind that like creating a show that you know is designed to go multiple places is ultimately how I think I would approach it. Because um, we actually have started to do that. We actually, yeah. now that we're we record, our first 15 minutes every time we record is purely topical stuff that isn't even going to be on the podcast that we left putting up on the TikTok. And, cool. and we had, a, we had, a, you're the second person to now tell us we should come up with a 60 second tip type thing that should just be yeah. for, purely for social. Yeah. And just, or even just recurring segments. And also you'll, as you go, you're going to learn like what, some of it will happen organically, right? You're going to figure out like, oh, people really responded to when we did that thing, or we had that conversation. Or when Aaron admitted this embarrassing friendship moment or whatever, that really clicked. We should do more of that. So you'll find it as you go. And then the other thing I would talk about just quickly with social, because this is, everyone struggles with this. Should the show have its own separate account or not, or just be your guys' accounts? In general, I'm hesitant to say start separate account because I think it adds a lot of work without a lot of reward in the, in, certainly in the beginning. And it's, it's not that you shouldn't do it, but I think it can get very confusing because the truth is anything you guys would post, you're probably going to post in your personal accounts also or in some version of it. It depends. It's not bad if you don't mind doing the work or you have somebody doing the work for you. Like, sure, sure, why not? So I'm not against it. The only reason I warn people about it is because I think it it just adds 
a lot of work. You guys know how much work it is to manage your own individual accounts. Doing another one adds work. But again, if you have help and you can manage it, like that's the whole Gary Vaynerchuk thing, right? Like people look and people like him, right? They look at him and they go, Gary's everywhere and he posts a million things. Gary's probably got a team of 20 people working on that stuff. But then you see people trying to mimic what those people are doing and they're doing it themselves and it's you not, you're going to drown, right? So if you can take it on and you have help, Sure, why not? But if you don't, I wouldn't. A lot of people feel like they have to do it. And I don't know that you have to do it. Cool. Let's get to your third question. What is the last thing you want to know? How do we cross promote with other podcasts or other podcast networks? How do we get ads promoting us on like the crookeds and the bar stools of the world? And like, how do we leverage these networks to to get the word out. Okay, so let me ask you, I assume you're talking about both paid advertising and free cross-promotion, like both ways. Okay, so I have a few thoughts about this. So as far as Barstool knows in terms of what they sell and how they sell it, I'm sure you can find on their site like how to buy ads on their stuff. My guess is most of those things, if they're really big, those networks where it's going across, the initial buy-in's probably pretty big. Chances are you'll get more for your money finding more independent stuff, but I'm not sure because I haven't done that, but I'm sure you can find, see how much it, see how much it is. What I would say to you in general, and this is both about paid and free. So I would say that going after cross promotions or pay promotions on big, big podcasts and big stuff is fine, but keep in mind that they don't necessarily need to be bigger than you. The most important part is audience fit. So I'd rather be on a show with 500 listeners who are a perfect fit than a show with 5,000 listeners who aren't a perfect fit. So ideally, they'd be big and a perfect fit. I would keep that in mind. The other thing I would say is, and I've heard a bunch of different people talk about this. Ryan Holiday, who wrote a great book called uh, Perennial Sellers, talks about this. He actually talks about it in the context, I think, of blog posts but or guest blogging and that kind of stuff. But it's true of podcasts as well. You can think about it like working your way up a pyramid. Each appearance of you as a guest or cross-promotion or whatever gets you credibility you can use to book a bigger thing. So a lot of times you can start relatively small and then go, hey, I was just on the such and such podcast. Here's the clip so you can hear me. And you're literally just starting to work your way up the ladder as opposed to what a lot of times people do is they just go right to the bigger thing and go, hey, would you want to book me? It's going to be easier if you can go, hey, I was on these 10 different podcasts the last time. And this guy said it was the most downloaded episode he had. And here's a clip to give you an idea of what I want to talk about. So again, that takes time, but you can think about it as leveraging and trying to leverage each hit you get. So if you go on some podcast and you, you might go like, all right, this guy's book guest who also appeared on whatever other podcast. Let's go find that. There's a great tactic, and I wish I could remember what show it was on. You can probably Google and try to find it. There's an author named Hal Elrod, and he wrote this book called Miracle Mornings. It's like a morning routine book. Self-published, I think he sold like millions and millions of copies. It's like one of the most like successful self-published books ever. And he basically credits all of it Till two years worth of podcast experience, podcast appearances. And he went on like a couple hundred podcasts, like he was all over the place. And he did some of this sort of gradually working his way up. But the other thing he did in the beginning that I think was really smart is in trying to get himself booked, he targeted new and noteworthy podcasts. 
across now again his topic but like you guys the advantage you have is friendships very broad and can be applied to almost anything right you could go on an entrepreneur's podcast and just spin it let's talk about like friendship for entrepreneurs you could go on an artist's podcast you could go on a father's podcast you, like friendship could apply to anything just like his morning routine so what he would do is he would look at what was in the new and noteworthy section and his reasoning behind it was if something was in the new and noteworthy section it meant it was at least getting some downloads and some traffic and probably growing, probably likely to grow. But they were still new enough that in most cases, they weren't overwhelmed with guest requests. So he combined the like decent sized audience with a good chance that they're looking for guests or better chance of saying yes. And it worked really well for him. It was like a sweet spot. So that's definitely something that I would do if I were you guys. I'd look to see what those shows are. And I would cater pitches to them, just email them, whatever, but cater them in a way that fits with what they're doing. The other thing I would say is one of the advantages you guys have of having, you guys both have successful careers and have done a bunch of stuff individually is you can leverage that to get yourselves booked individually for something else and then plug, look, we're doing it right now, right? We're talking about something else, but ultimately... People listening to this are going to learn about your podcast and hopefully go check it out. Think a lot about all the different hooks you guys might have individually for press or podcast appearances, whatever. So for example, like you could get yourself booked on a screenwriting podcast and yeah. the pitch is, let me go talk about screenwriting. Yeah. And then when you're there, oh, hey, by the way, I have this podcast about friendship, whatever. Friendship. You could get a couple weeks. Yeah. See, you could get yourself booked on a New York transplants podcast, like people that used to live in New York. And now like when you start to think about it and you start thinking about these like hyper niches, there's a million things beyond the obvious. Let's go look at the people who talk about friendship or guys or whatever. And something that might seem totally unrelated, but again, the advantage of having this broad topic is it appeals to every audience on some level has people that want friends and whatever. The other thing I would say is you can come up with a stunt that is so like press or interview worthy that people will want to book you to talk about that and not just your show. And this is just a completely like random example, right? But let's say you guys decided that you were going to track down everyone that was in your first grade class. You're going to track down every guy in your first grade class you're going to call every single one of them and have an individual one-on-one 15-minute conversation. And you do that and maybe you talk about it on the episode of your podcast or you do whatever, right? But now when you're reaching out to get booked, you're not just saying, hey, we have a podcast I want to talk to you about. You're saying, hey, we did this crazy, cool stunt. We'd love to come on and tell you about what happens when you call up, when you reconnect with everyone from your first grade class. And that's going to do a couple things. Number one, it makes you way more interesting to book. Number two, that hook is going to lead more of that person's audience to download and listen to it. Come up with something stunty that someone would be like, oh, we want to talk to those guys. And by the way, that's also the kind of thing that can get you mainstream press, can get you articles, magazines, newspapers, local TV, whatever. Let's say you did that thing and then you reach, I don't know where you went to elementary school, but just using that as an example. If it was like on Long Island or whatever, you call up like local Long Island news and go, hey, you want to do the story about the guy who just reconnected with all his first grade classmates from Long Island? Like second grade, I believe, where we could probably check down. Yeah, that. right. And with a lot of this stuff, you can also, it has to be legitimate, but it can yeah. also be cheated a little bit, 
right? You track down 10 people you haven't talked to in years and yeah. you just turn it, you make, you make it into a cool story. It's funny. Like I was talking to someone the other day, he was going to buy a billboard somewhere to promote his newsletter, like the stunt. And he was like, what should I put on the billboard? And when I said is whatever you should put on, don't just put some creative thing. It's like, oh, check out this newsletter. Like the way you maximize it is you do something with that billboard that is newsworthy. So yeah, it promotes your newsletter, but it's so weird and so whatever that you amplify the coverage that you get out of it. It's not just like the six people who are driving past your billboard. I don't know if you guys remember like years ago, remember there was someone that was like, like listing, like ranking comics, like he bought billboards across the country. That's a perfect example, right? If that guy does that blog post, sure. People are like, okay, this guy ranked comics, but if he puts it on a billboard, suddenly it's like a weird, crazy, you know, interesting thing. Oh, the other thing too, is for cross promotions, you might want to consider being a space in your show specifically for cross promotions. So whether you do it as the man of the year podcast of the week, and it's literally just a plug. So now when you're reaching out, as opposed to saying, hey, let's do a cross promotion, whatever you go, hey, if you're interested in doing something, we'll name you the man of the year podcast of the week. So much of this is just the packaging of what you do. And for your audience, it becomes a thing. So it's like, they're more, they don't feel like, oh, you're just jamming something in here because you're promoting yourself. It's, oh no, it's a thing. It's a bit, that's a part of the show. And you might, and the other thing about having it as a part of the show is you'll then have people come to you and go, how do I get to be the podcast of the week? Whatever. So, yeah. So it's just building that into it being a part of the cross promotion and the promotion in general is just becomes a part of what you're doing. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. So most importantly, tell everyone where they can go to check this out and follow you guys and all that stuff. Yeah, so you can find everything at manoftheyearpodcast.com. We're at Man of the Year Podcast on all socials, and that's how you can find us. Awesome. And for me, you can get my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. I do a series of skill session workshops at joshspector.com slash sessions. If you'd like to talk about hiring me for some coaching or consulting, joshspector.com slash consulting. These are very creative URLs. Twitter at jspector. If you'd like to come on the show and ask me three questions, just go to joshspector.com slash questions to apply. That's it. Thank you guys. I can't wait. I love the trailer. I can't wait to listen to the actual first episode tomorrow. Thanks everyone for listening and have a great week.